Actia's Pro Rata, where we take just 10 minutes to get you smarter on the collision of tech, business, and politics. Presented by Bridge Bank. Be bold. Venture wisely. I'm Dan Primack. On today's show, Google's latest DC headache and a year after Khashoggi. But first, unicorns of the apocalypse. So several years ago, venture capitalist Bill Gurley warned of a unicorn bloodbath, referring to how startups valued at a billion dollars or more would soon be brought to heel. It didn't really happen, but maybe now it's starting to, including to some of Gurley's own companies. So last month we saw WeWork, one of Gurley's companies, pull its planned IPO and kick out its CEO, all after public market investors said thanks, but no thanks to an IPO that came with too high a price tag and too little corporate governance. Then both Smile Direct Club and Peloton had successful IPOs, pricing at the high end of their ranges, but got their teeth kicked in by aftermarket traders, causing those stock prices to plummet. All of this comes as Uber and Lyft continue to trade well below their IPO prices and even below their last private market valuations. So what's happening here? For starters, it is not the end of high growth startups or of IPOs. Other unprofitable tech companies like Datadog not only went public in September, but thrived. And there are six companies on the IPO docket for this week, two of which expect valuations of $1 billion or more. Instead, what we really seem to be seeing is trade war scarred investors seeking comfort in what they know, like Datadog's SaaS model. Peloton, for example, is really, really confusing. It is a fitness hardware company that's also a media company and an apparel retailer that does its own delivery logistics. Endeavor, a company which also pulled its IPO last week, is a private equity-backed talent agency that also runs a professional bull riding league, the Ultimate Fighting Championship, and runs an entire online streaming service for groups like the WWE. Investors like comps, and there are no comps for these sorts of companies. The bottom line, don't fall into any easy narratives here. But also don't sleep on the idea that when public market investors turn on certain types of private companies, the next cohort of private companies will look a lot different. In 15 seconds, we'll go deeper with Axios Markets Editor Dion Rabowin. But first, this. The Equity Fund Resources Group at BridgeBank is a central hub for the venture capital and private equity communities. Offering banking services for funds, partners, and their portfolio companies, BridgeBank's financial solutions are designed for the entire innovation ecosystem and include creative credit solutions, robust treasury and cash management capabilities, and a suite of international banking products. BridgeBank is a division of Western Alliance Bank. BridgeBank, be bold, venture wisely. We're joined now by Axios Markets Editor Dion Rabowin. Let's start out and just stipulate you and I don't see all of this exactly the same. But you wrote on Friday, I think, that from your perspective, public market investors are caring about profits again, particularly when it comes to tech companies or quasi-tech companies. What's your case? Why do you think they're now paying attention to profits after years of basically saying growth matters, bottom line doesn't? I think it's really the same thing that's kind of been the driving force behind a lot of what's happening in the stock market this year, which is just that investors are scared. They're really worried about the trade war and about the end of the U.S. economic expansion and that we're going to go into a recession. And so that's caused them to be a lot more selective about what they'll buy. Uh, this is the thing I've been writing about all year. If you look at the numbers, investors have been pulling out of stocks, selling stocks, buying safe haven government bonds, putting money into money market funds, essentially saving counts and moving the cash out on the sidelines because they don't trust the market and they really are just waiting for the bottom to drop out and no one wants to be sitting there holding the bag. So all these companies that before, you know, they've got a great growth story, they've got this great founder story, blah, 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 that's not enough anymore. 
from the way you say that, then does that extend another? And we have seen some pullback. So in other words, this isn't just the call it the WeWorks or the Pelotons of the world. This is also the Netflixes and Teslas of the world. You know, companies have been public for a while, but have don't make money or at least don't make profit rather. I think Netflix and Tesla have their own issues, particularly Netflix right now. They're really caught up in this. Apple is coming out with their own streaming platform. Disney's coming out with their own streaming platform. Tesla has had all kinds of issues meeting expectations. Elon Musk has over-delivered for years and years, and it seems like it's just now hitting back. But yeah, I do think in the big scheme of things, in the big picture, that is what's happening here. All these companies who have not delivered a clear path to growth or a clear path to profitability, now investors are saying, wait, wait, hold on a second. This doesn't add up, and they're they're pulling back. And you're seeing it particularly with the big companies, and now you're seeing it with the big IPOs. Let's talk about the big IPOs. So WeWork, obviously, you know, you said Tesla and Netflix might be their own stories. I'd argue at least that WeWork probably is too. I mean, that didn't even get to the public markets and clearly had all sorts of issues. And, and you could argue the IPO process worked there, right? Lots of corporate governance issues, and investors said no. When you look, though, at things like, say, Smile Direct Club, which is this teeth-straightening company that's kind of an Invisalign competitor, or Peloton – they both struggled after going public. The public markets have marked them down since then, but they're still worth way more than they were in the private markets. And they both price their IPOs high, you know, with those big mutual funds investors. So is that necessarily a sign that investors are saying no, or just simply the day traders are saying no? No, I think it, it definitely is investors. I mean, you look at Smile Direct Club. Smile Direct Club is down almost half from where it IPO'd at. True, but twice where it was in the private markets. Yeah, no, that's true. And and again, I think that reflects this shift right now that's going on. It's just the title of the story that I wrote was uh, Equity Market Investors Get Religion, right? Because it's like these things haven't mattered for years and years. Even at the beginning of this year, you saw companies getting valuations and seeing their stock markets just boom uh, in the public markets, regardless of any kind of real road to profitability. And it was just, I think Uber or Lyft, or maybe both just kind of broke the dam in terms of investors saying, okay, you know what, this is just, this is too much. A billion dollars in losses a year, that's too much. And now, like I said, with the increase in just caution and worry and all this trade war stuff happening, people are really starting to look at what they own and saying, wait a second, what is this? I don't want this. I wonder when you think about startups, particularly call them later stage startups. I don't know if you could call Uber or Peloton or any of these companies a startup anymore. Is the lesson then that it's not just that not growth at all costs? Is there should there be a concern, I guess, that these companies, which are kind of America's highest growth or fastest growth, hyper growth companies are going to intentionally start slowing down, slow down expansion, not because the consumer demand is slowing down, but because the market demand for their shares is slowing down and that that could become kind of its own, you know, non-virtuous cycle. I think there's definitely that worry if this sticks around, if this wall of worry just kind of hangs around and doesn't get cleared out. I mean, you know, the stock market could jump up to 3,050 in the next couple of weeks and everyone could forget all about this. But if this worry that's been really here in the market for the rest of the year continues, I do think you're going to have to kind of rewrite the way that some of these companies are coming public. Because as you said, the valuations they're coming to IPO for are still higher than what they were getting in the private markets. Everyone has to have an exit, right? The whole reason you're investing in these companies is because you think at some point there's going to be an exit. You're going to make more money than you put in. And that doesn't happen if you can't come to the public markets and you can't get a nice big IPO because people don't think investors are going to buy it. So it's a slow process, 
but it's clearly happening, and that's where we're moving towards. The company that interested me the most that kind of pulled its IPO last week was Endeavor, which uh, Endeavor's a weird company. It's kind of a big uh, artist representation firm. You know, they represent movie stars, musicians. They also own things like the UFC, the Ultimate Fighting Championship. It's run by Ari Emanuel. They tried to go public last week. They cut their IPO range and then pulled the thing all together. Not a high-growth tech company, even though they've got a streaming piece. From your perspective, how does that play into this broader narrative, or, or is that, you know, because again, this is a company that was actually profitable in 2018, although swung to a loss in the first half of this year. Yeah, I think the the lesson there is you got to get your numbers right. You know, like Paul Wong, Chameleonaire said, get your mind correct. I think it's just a matter of making sure that you are not, because if their numbers had been good and they had come to market and had a big pop, that would have been a great story in contrast to the debacle that was Peloton and that was WeWork pulling back. So clearly they realized, they looked at their numbers and they looked at what they were hearing from the street and they said, oh no, the same thing is going to happen to us. Let's not do this. Let's pull back. Let's get everything right and, and you know at least get the numbers looking a little better than they are and then they'll come to market. I don't think this is a problem stock market-wise for any company that wants to have an IPO. But I think right now, there very much is a magnifying glass on the numbers and on the growth story, just in the sense that it has to actually make some sense. And that hasn't been the case for a while. Dan Rabone, editor of Axios Markets, who I have a feeling in a couple of weeks, he and I will be back on here arguing over the debacle or non-debacle of Peloton. It's up a percent so far this morning. Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, thanks for having me, Dan. Please sign up for Axios Markets at signup.axios.com. My final two, right after this. The Equity Fund Resource Group at BridgeBank is a central hub for the venture capital and private equity communities. Leveraging nearly two decades of expertise delivering solutions to emerging technology and growth companies, BridgeBank now offers services for funds, SBICs, and general partners, including creative credit solutions, robust treasury management capabilities, and a suite of international banking services. BridgeBank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. Be bold, venture wisely. Now it's time for my final two. And first up is a Wall Street Journal report about how congressional antitrust investigators are looking at plans by Google to use a new internet protocol, worrying that it could give Google a competitive advantage by making it harder for other companies to access consumer data. Now, the stated goal of Google's new protocol is to improve digital security, but Congress wants to know if the company also plans to use it for its own commercial gain. The bottom line here, every new innovation by big tech will be scrutinized, scrutinized heavily by regulators, even if those innovations are said to be in support of something that regulators want, like better online security. And finally, this Wednesday marks the one-year anniversary of journalist Jamal Khashoggi's brutal murder, with Saudi Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman going on 60 Minutes last night to take responsibility without, you know, actually taking responsibility. A big question now is if major political and financial figures will show at the kingdom's annual investment conference in Riyadh, nicknamed the Davos of the Desert, set for later this month. Last year, you might recall, almost every Everyone bailed. But now, a year later, there's already a Washington Post report that Jared Kushner will attend. Now, the conference hasn't unveiled its program or list of speakers, which is highly unusual for a major business conference happening so soon. And that kind of suggests that there's still all sorts of sensitivities and decisions not yet made, including maybe by SoftBank CEO Masayoshi Son, who last year avoided the event, but who this year is still trying to convince Saudi Arabia to make a huge investment in his vision fund too, despite SoftBank's disastrous WeWork investment. So that website, the conference website, is one that everybody will continue to watch closely. Right now, it's kind of empty. And we're done. Big thanks for listening. And to my producer, Tim Shovers, have a great National Chewing Gum Day. And we'll be back on Monday with another Pro Rata Podcast.